If you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open them to John chapter 20. Last week I had the awesome opportunity to, to preach down at Green, and uh, it was a week after Easter, so I, 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 uh, I got to speak in Colossians 3 about being um, raised to new life with Christ, and I remember uh, Pastor Richard was in the front row last week, so that was great, and, and he, I remember him saying when he preached the week after Easter here three years ago, that's not confusing, he got up here and said, it's still Easter, and I said, what? You're a week late, and in my mind I said that, I didn't tell him that. Um, but he, he started to say that, you know, our perspective is that Jesus is still alive. He doesn't pop out of the grave one day a week or one day a year like the groundhog, but rather he's still alive and well, ruling and reigning. It's still Easter. We still should be in this perpetual celebration. So living in perpetual Easter for us is acknowledging daily Christ's life in us, not just once a year, not just on Sundays, but acknowledging daily Christ's life in us. So with that being said, uh, this morning I get to, to, to preach on one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. You know, Jesus, after he was uh, raised from the dead, he was um, around for, you know, 40 days. He was seen by 500 people before he ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for you and I. And uh, in these post-resurrection appearances, he had some really special moments with his disciples. Um, and, and, and those were awesome because it solidified a lot of things for them. Because what we think is, and one of the evidences for the resurrection is how Jesus was raised from the dead and all of a sudden these 11 people revolutionized the world and, and here we are 2,000 years later and there have been billions of followers. How does that happen unless what they believed and what they're preaching is true? So Jesus had some really special moments, but before these disciples, before these disciples went out and, and really did that and received the Holy Spirit and, and, and preached with passion and even went to their deaths, they, um, they had some moments. And last week as we talked, um, some of the followers of Christ, some of the people who had witnessed some of the believers on the road to Emmaus, they were in despair. It says they were sad. Why the long face? And like, they asked Jesus, who was concealing his identity, and Pastor Nathan preached on this, and, and um, they said, are you the only one who hasn't heard what happened? Jesus, Jesus died. And Jesus, you know, as we talked about last week, revealed himself, and, and it was a joyous occasion. So that was the despair they had, and, and it really didn't catch up with them um, what joy there could be in, in, in the resurrection of Jesus. And there are some other moments, and, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of these moments the disciples had with Jesus um, where they still had some questions, even, a, even after the resurrection. And I think for some of us, you know, we can say, yes, I believe in the resurrection, but we still have some questions. So today, what I want to talk about is doubts um, and, and what it means to, to doubt. And, and is it okay to have doubts and, uh, and just kind of interact with a text in John 20 a little bit? You may have heard of, of doubting Thomas, right? So in one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, he appears to his disciples, and uh, Thomas wasn't there, and Thomas comes back, and they said, we saw Jesus, he's like, yeah, right, I don't believe you guys, you're making it up, I'll, I'll not believe until I get to put my hand in his side, and, and, um, and he has some serious and significant doubts, and, and I want to talk about that today, because as we are in this time after Easter, and ha- as they were in this time post-resurrection, they had their moments, and they and Jesus taught them some really valuable les- lessons. So I want to 
dialogue a little bit with you about that today. So doubt is a common hindrance to, to faith. And doubt is a common hindrance to submitting fully to Christ. It's a, it's a major setback. It really is. Doubt, doubt can be crippling for a lot of us. Uh, doubt could be something that we hold on to tightly. And until we get all of our questions answered, um, like Thomas, we can't take that step forward in, in faith. So doubt can be something that's really crippling. So I hope today can be helpful to us in, in seeing how Jesus interacted with doubt and how Jesus interacted with doubters. So is it okay to doubt? How do we handle our doubts? I, I, I've had some significant doubts in faith and, and faith crises in my, in my um, time walking with the Lord. So this last week, I, I've been a journaler. I've been a journaler for, for a long time. Um, diary, whatever you want to call it. So I dug one up out of a box that was still in my garage, and, um, and it, was, uh, it was 2008, this one particular one I found. And I was looking for something particular, because I remember going through a season in life where um, it seemed like my world was crashing down. A lot of things had, had happened in life that left me really confused. See, I had a relationship with God, and uh, I, I, I didn't really doubt his existence, that he was there, but it was very um, distant. Right? It was very distant for me. And, and my doubts were, okay, he's there, but is he really there? Like, he loves me. Jesus loves me, but does he love me? Like, he loves the world, but does... So I had these, these doubts in my mind. And I remember uh, la- two nights ago opening this journal and just reading it for about an hour, looking at Ricky, uh, that must have been 11 years ago, and, and just kind of some of my, my doubts. And so I found this page I was looking for, and it was titled uh, Doubts. And I was trying to be really poetic with it and, and write in such a way that was creative. But it, so the metaphor I used was was music. Like I'm singing my guts out here, God. I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm praising. But it feels like no one's listening. Is what I wrote in my journal. Kind of paraphrase. It feels like my songs of worship are falling on deaf ears, and and all this is crashing around, and, and you're not seeing it, God. And 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 this bad thing is happening in my life, and this bad thing is happening in my life, and and you're not you're not hearing this. You're not seeing what's going on. Do you care? Are, are you near? Do you care for me? Do you love me? Are you going to interact with this major crisis I'm having? And, um, and that's kind of my experience. And if I'm being honest, I've had, I've had doubts a lot in life. And, and if you're being honest, I would say you have too. Um, so today in our text, we're talking about doubts. And it could be heavy, but um, I, I hope it could be helpful that we interact with this and and come out with a tool. So uh, a couple of things. I, I, I put together a list of things not to doubt before we jump into it, because I think that's the biggest thing people tell us is, uh, oh, it's really hard to tell people how to deal with their doubts. So I've put together a list of things not to doubt for you, uh, just so that we're on. It's my opinions. This part, this section is, is a list I've compiled of things that you, you should count on, that you can trust, take to the bank, don't doubt. First one is Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks in the first, fourth quarter, driving down. He's going to win the game, especially against the Cowboys. Um, you can bank on it. He's, he's going to make the drive and, 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 and score the points and win the game. Uh, don't doubt it. Apparently, Damian Lillard with the game-winning three-pointer. Don't doubt that. He's going to make it. Um, trying to take pictures with toddlers, it's going to be a bad picture, right? It's, there's, no one's, like, there's going to be one person smiling, and it's chaos throughout the rest of the picture. You can bank on that. Additionally, arriving to church on time with young kids is not going to be a thing. Um, another one, church potluck. 
I don't know where it comes from, but there's always going to be fried chicken at the church potluck. And someone's always going to bring a bag of chips. There's going to be plenty of chips, and there's always going to be fried chicken at the church potluck. And that's just from experience. There's, it's always there. I don't know how it gets there, where it comes from, but you can bank on that. It's going to be there. Um, and the sun's going to rise tomorrow, right? Hopefully. But those are things, my list, that we can compile. So with that being said, those are things, you know, not to doubt. But in all seriousness, if you've got your finger in, in, in John chapter 20, go ahead and flip to Luke 24 also for a parallel text. We're going to be reading those two. And, and we, we, what we really want to know, what we really want to see this morning, is how does Jesus interact with our doubts? Um, is it okay to have doubts? How do we handle our doubts in, in a God-honoring way, uh, and, and I hope to, to talk about that a little bit today. So John chapter 20, John chapter 20, we're starting in verse 19. Again, this is one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. John chapter 20, verse 19, says this, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then, Thomas, then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. So we read this text typically and we think there's one isolated guy who's struggling with doubt. Let's pray for Thomas, right? And then what we tend to do is we do that in real life too where we say, oh, we have someone struggling with doubt. That person, uh, let's pray for Thomas. Let's pray for that person. As if it's something that's rare, as if it's something that only a select few of us who are struggling in faith deal with, right? And I'm not talking necessarily doubts on on an enormous scale, but I'm talking about Maybe our inactivity in things of faith or maybe even our prayerlessness might be subtle ways that doubt creeps into our life. But we tend to say, oh, this is about doubting Thomas. We've even named this text Doubting Thomas. But if you turn to Luke chapter 24, I want to I read that parallel text and talk a little bit about that. So let's turn to Luke 24 really quickly. And we'll pick that up in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. 
And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you of anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So interestingly enough, they all had their doubts, didn't they? Even before Thomas arrived on the scene, they all said, why do doubts arise within you? He's talking to the collective groups of disciples. And then Thomas gets here, and they're like, hey, we saw Jesus. Why? And Jesus is like, no, I, I don't believe that. And they're like, ah, don't be a doubting Thomas. As if they didn't just deal with the doubts when they saw Jesus themselves. And then they put all the blame on Thomas. He's the doubter over there. But really, it's something that all of them dealt with at this period in time. So, if you're following the notes, the first point is this. Doubt, doubting is a reality that everyone faces to, to one degree or another. We all have, have our doubts at certain periods in time. And if you're saying, uh, no, I don't, I don't have doubts, I don't struggle with doubts, um, that's a tough sell for me. Because at some period in time, to one degree or another, I believe all of us have these questions that arise within us. Like, am I really bought into this? Am I really believing this? Am I really sold in? And, and I, I pray through the Holy Spirit as we are about to see and discover together that um, those become dimmer and dimmer, right? And that we can fully trust in, in God and fully put our faith in Him. So, if you have any semblance of doubts in your life, all the disciples doubted. They all, not just Thomas, not just the weird guy who was struggling, you know, but all of them. So it, it's not that you're singled out for, for your questions, but rather all of them. Additionally, there are other uh, heroes of the faith that we, that we read about that, that had their doubts to one degree or another. Adam and Eve doubted God's sufficiency, didn't they? They had literally everything they needed and everything they could have wanted and desired. And then the serpent came in and, 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 and tempted them with, with this fruit from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden, everything wasn't enough and they needed more. So they were deceived and they, they ate. Because the serpent said, did God really say? And planted that little seed of doubt and they bought into it. Abraham doubted God's plan, right? Remember um, when he lied about his sister? couple times, right? Interesting. Moses doubted God's ability to use him. Moses had some major setbacks in his life about God's ability to use him, but God, he tried to get out of it several times, didn't he? Uh, Gideon doubted God's power. I'm, I'm weak. I'm from a weak tribe. You can't use me. I'm, and he was hiding. He was um, intimidated. Jonah doubted God's faithfulness to him and, and to, 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 to sinners, and he went the opposite way. Um, John the Baptist, I was talking with Danny this morning, he reminded me of this one, but John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, it's his cousin, right? Has first-hand encounter with Jesus, and then gets thrown in jail, 
and sends some of his disciples to say, like, hey, is, are you the guy or, or what? Because I'm in jail and things aren't going well for me. Is this who we're looking for? Just tell me something. Jesus sends back word to him. Tell him what you're seeing. And then I don't think it goes well for John in the endgame. He gets his head chopped off, right? He gets, his, he gets beheaded, but he had his doubts. Like, are you really the guy we're looking for? Because I need some answers here. Things aren't going well for me. Uh, Peter doubted God's word. Uh, Peter was a knucklehead, and, and he displays this uh, uh, many different times. Even the last day that Jesus was alive with them, he had his struggles. And I, I want to say, and I want to ask this question, like, are any, are doubts legitimate, or, or are they all insults to God? As if saying, like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say this to you, but I'm struggling with some aspects of your nature and your character. Are all doubts that we might have that arise within us insults to god or or are they or can they be legitimate so how does jesus deal with his guys when when doubts arise within them does he beat him over the head and, and go like i've literally been with you guys for three years you know me i've been saying this repeatedly over and over and over again how do you not understand what i've been saying have you not been listening do you have selective hearing uh, what's the deal with these guys? How does Jesus interact with them when he, when they say that they have doubts or when he perceives that they have doubts or when they make blanket statements saying, I will never believe unless I see and touch and feel? Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't come down hard on them. Um, in fact, he, he gives them the assurance they need. And he says, here I am. Ghosts don't have skin and bones. Uh, touch all you want. Here I am. So, the second point, if you're following the notes, is this. Jesus is patient with our doubts. Um, if, you're, if you're afraid to admit that you might have, might have doubts with certain aspects of, of God or Christianity um, and, 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 and things like that, just know that what we see in Scripture is that Jesus is patient. Jesus is patient with our doubts. And that's so reassuring. It's so reassuring to see that here in Scripture. It's so reassuring for the various times in our life when we will come face to face with, with, with things that just don't add up for us or aspects of the Bible that don't make sense to us and we can bank on the fact that Jesus is going to be patient with us. So is it okay to doubt? What we see in Scripture is that regardless of that question, Jesus is patient with us and wants to work through that with us. But there's two postures that I would say we can have when it comes to our curiosity or our doubts. One is like Thomas before he sees Jesus, and that's being a stubborn doubter. He says, I will not. His, his, he's closed to the idea, right? Even though he knew Jesus, he's absolutely closed to the idea of, of Jesus um, unless he sees and touches with his own eyes and his own hands. So the first posture is, is stubborn. We can have our questions about God and say, I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything with it. I'm staying right here. I'm not going to progress. I'm not going to take a step forward. I'm not going to ask the questions. I'm not going to do the homework. I'm going to be stubborn, and I'm just going to refuse to believe. You might know someone like that in your life. Like, nope, uh uh-uh, closed off completely. Or your second posture can be one of humility, where Thomas, after meeting the Lord, after seeing Jesus, would it say eight days later, and having that encounter, his response is, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. So there's two postures we can have. One is is stubbornness, and the second is humility towards Him. And Jesus is patient with 
our doubts. Jesus is patient with us. And I would propose that if our second posture, it isn't to say, I don't have any doubts anymore. It isn't to say that all my questions are answered. But it it is saying that I am willing to at least take a step forward to do the study, to do the ask the questions, to, to, to be with people who can help me in my journey of faith and, and be open about what I'm learning and reading and my relationship with God. And I know Jesus is patient and I know that he wants me to have, have faith and, that, and complete trust and, and he's working with me on that. Um, additionally, he, he gives you this this promise of sorts at the end, and he goes, blessed are those, he goes, you believe because you see. And he says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So we can take our doubts to the grave, we can be stubborn in them and not do anything, or we can use them. Uh, uh, this book by Tim Keller uh, called The Reason for God has this section on doubt, and, and Tim Keller is a pastor and theologian. Uh, yesterday was Star Wars Day, and he's kind of known in the Christian community as the Yoda of Christianity. Uh, just because he's so wise and has a lot of good things to say. And he has this part that says this in, in dealing with doubts. This is uh, kind of a reason for God, a, a belief in the age of skepticism. And he says this, A faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if he or she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubts, not only their own, but their friends and neighbors. So that's to say, let your doubts spark the curiosity to drive you towards the Bible and towards God, to finding out answers and questions, and sometimes being okay with not knowing all the answers, but being not stubborn but softened. So let your doubts spark the curiosity to, to do the research and to do the homework and to uh, kind of delve into this on your own. Uh, one more book, I'm not going to read from it, but this one, you may be familiar with The Case for Christ, and, and that's kind of his story going from doubt and atheism to belief, and his story, we've got some copies of this in at the next step table. next step table if you'd like to take one home. It's our gift to you, but it's a great book um, just about on how this man um, allowed his doubts to spark curiosity, which led to his conversion to Christ, and it's just an amazing story. So there's some of those if you want to check that out. So the next section of this is, okay, Jesus is patient with our doubts, but how do I deal with my doubts? How do I handle my doubts? Because I, I think there's um, some, some wrong ways we can do it and some negative ways. The Pew Research Center, along with the Huffington Post, collaborated on this, this research that said, why, why do young people leave the church? And, and one of them is um, their, their significant doubts in, in faith and, and in God. And it says some of the damaging things we can do to people who are struggling is just, I'll just pray about it. Or, um, you can have all the doubts you want, just don't deny God. Or, rather, oh, that's just an excuse because you want to you keep on sinning. Or, or to dismiss that they're doubts, but rather, um, as Tim Keller says, no, fully em- embrace that and, and allow to spark the curiosity needed to explore the Bible and to read deeper and to dive deeper into who God is and the Scriptures. So, 
Continuing in the notes. Jesus comes into the room and, and he says three different times, peace be with you. So how do we handle our doubts? One is, first of all, to rest in the peace of God. And, and that's not to be dismissive of any legitimate um, questions and curiosities you may have, but that is to say this, um, God's infinite and we're finite. And for us to try to figure God out would be, would be hard, right? And, 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 and it would be difficult because I don't even know what's going on, on behind me, and God does, and to try to, to, to crack that would be difficult. So um, first is to rest in the peace of God. Jesus comes into the room, and they're still startled, but he says, peace be with you, and, and they're calm. So we can experience the peace of God in the presence of God. So Jesus comes into the room through locked doors. He, he comes and he says, peace be with you, and he, and he brings assurance to their doubts. Right? So for us, the first way on, on how to handle our doubts is first and foremost to rest in the peace of God and, and sometimes be okay not knowing everything. Right? And not having the burden of trying to figure out everything and, and trusting God. So we can experience the peace of God in the presence of God. They had, they had the presence of God and we can experience that same presence of God for believers who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We get that when we, we put our faith in Christ and, and trust Him for the forgiveness of our sins. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to live in us, which is the presence of God in us, which can calm our doubts, or at least make us okay with not knowing everything and not having all our questions answered. Secondly, in verse 22, we see something interesting. It says that Jesus breathed on them in this room. He came, he came in and he said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And this is even before Pentecost. So it's a curious text. But we know that for us believers who have the Holy Spirit within us, that the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth. So when, when asking the questions, when discovering who God is, when navigating some of these doubts and curiosities, for the believer, we can be sure that the Holy Spirit wants the same thing. He wants to lead us into all truth. So the second one, to handle our doubts, is to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us to truth. To ask. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us, and He wants to give us wisdom, and He wants to guide us, and He wants to lead us into all truth. He wants to tell us. He wants to give us the answers to our questions. We've got to ask. We've got to be able to discover and, and, and pray to God and read the Word and walk forward in life. The third one is this. third point that we see in here from, from Luke 24 is really interesting. It says that Jesus, in addition to this, He reminded them that it's been Him all along from the Old Testament that this is what we've been talking about, the coming of Christ Jesus. In the Psalms, in the prophets, in the law. And he says, I'm the one who has been spoken about in the, the law, the prophets, the Psalms. And he reassures them with the truth of the word, the word that they had, the Old Testament. And that's an amazing thing. So when I think about, um, when I think about the questions I have and the answers I'm looking for, and, and I don't do the work of 
asking the Holy Spirit to lead me into truth and to, to rely on the Word for those answers, then I'm just kicking myself, right? So the third one is this. Rely on the Word for truth, right? The Bible is God's truth. The Bible is inspired by God. It's His Word to us. It's inerrant and infallible. That means it's incapable of being false. It is absolutely true in all it says about life and God and, and our Christianity, and it's the, our final authority. And I think so many of us look for truth in all the wrong places, like Wikipedia or Google or, or some of those different kinds of places when we should be going to the Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. And Jesus comes in and he reminds his disciples, it's been me talked about from the beginning, the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Law, the Prophet, until now. And it says that he actually had to open their minds and then they're like, oh, I get it. It's been about you the whole time. Additionally, Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 119, 160 says, The very essence of your words is truth, and your regulations will stand forever. John 17, 17, in a prayer for his disciples, he says this, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. Your word is truth. When I think about how to handle our doubts and what we can do, and, and the example given here is that Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit to lead them into truth. Jesus reminded them of the Word, which is truth. Jesus brought peace through His presence to kind of calm their spirits so that they might not be hardened and stubborn, stubborn but rather softened and, and use that to spark curiosity to do the work of figuring out some of their questions And, and I think that's an amazing example for us, and that's what we can do in our steps. So some of us are thinking, man, faith comes e easy to me. I, I, don't, I don't have doubts. I'm rock solid. I've been a Christian forever, and, and, and I would say it's great. And I'm sure at some point in your journey of faith, there have been moments where you've had to ask the hard questions. And I think for all of us, it would be a disservice to not ask the hard questions to really solidify why it is we believe what we believe. And... In so doing that, you have an opportunity to, to help others in their journey, discovering and asking the hard questions. That's what Alpha is all about. Some of you have just went through the course, and we're just starting up the, the youth version again, actually last week, and, and it's really asking life's big questions and, and, and discovering faith together on a journey, and, and that's an awesome thing. There's a missional component to, to John 20 into Luke 24, and it says that he sent them out with this message, and that they went out, and verse 21, the second part of it, he says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So they just went through this, um, this little moment of doubts where they had questions, and listen, their doubts as the disciples of Jesus who hung out with them were huge. It was concerning his resurrection, right? It was concerning the fact, like, is he alive again? Is, is this legit? Is it real? So for us, he says, I'm sending you. So as the Father sent me, I'm sending you out. He gives them the Holy Spirit. We have that. We have that opportunity um, to, to be able to help people along in their journey and to, 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 to shed light on some of the questions that they might have about Jesus, about, about faith. So wherever we find ourselves this morning, whether it's significant doubts or you're at a place in your life where you can help people with significant doubts by talking about the truth of the God 
what I think Jesus is calling all of us to is trusting Him and having faith in Him to take us from the I will never believe kind of stubbornness to the my Lord and my God. When He says my Lord and my God, He's acknowledging God's sovereignty. He's acknowledging God's plan. He's acknowledging that God's in control. He is who He says He is. And um, and that's the same for us. It's so cool that He tags us with this. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. That's us today, right? We have an opportunity for tremendous faith, for sparking in others an opportunity to, 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 to have this kind of faith, to walk with the Lord uh, even closely, and to be sent with this resurrection message about who Christ is and what He can and will do. So strive to be in the presence of the Lord, which will bring peace. Strive to be led by the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth. Be a person of the Word, a person of truth, a person who discovers and let God ultimately guide you. Let's pray this morning together. God, thank you for your Word. Your Word is truth. Your Word is is good. It's it's um, the light to our path. It's a lamp for our feet. It's our guide, God. And I pray that we'd be a people who are led by the Holy Spirit to follow you into truth. I pray that we would be a people who aren't crippled by any questions we might have concerning God and Christianity and life, but who allow that curiosity to spark a journey towards holiness and trust and faith. So God, I pray each person in this room would hear clearly from your spirit, from your word, what they should be doing in life, who they should be in proximity to, to bring light to, to share your word with, and who they can learn from additionally. So God, bless us as a church. Be with us as we, are, as we go throughout the, this week in our jobs, in um, our hobbies, our schools, in our families and homes. We love you, God. We th- we thankful, we're thankful for your love for us. And I pray, Jesus, that you'd be blessed by us. In Jesus' name, amen.